What's happening, everybody? I'll lead you after back with a brand new episode here at the Wolf Ladder. If you're new here, don't forget to subscribe and tune the notifications on so every time there's new episodes like these, you'll be first to hear it. Hopefully, you've been following me for some time now and have got the idea of the type of content you can expect here on this platform. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a very interesting subject, and I definitely want you to stick around until the end because there's quite a bit of stuff that we're going to cover throughout this episode, and there's quite an amount of material that I believe that you can actually benefit uh, if you if you stick around and you'll have some sort of idea, if you're an existing business owner specifically, this can absolutely help you and help you restructure the way you look at your business and even how you think about what to do about your business if you're going through some of the challenges uh, that you're kind of faced with. So our, our topic today is solving business problems unconventionally. And the reason I go about saying it like this is because a lot of people think that business challenges are always conventional issues like, hey, oh my God, I have to solve it by getting more money. Or I have to get more sales and do some more marketing. Or, you know, I have to, you know, open longer and keep my doors more open so that people can find me. Or be located in a prime location uh, so that people can easily find me and, and walk by and, and be interested in the type of business that I have to offer. And the reality is, all, you know, all these type of things are, are great. They're generic advice, by the way. They're not necessarily unique or any type of different angle. Uh, they're great, but it's not necessarily the solution that we're going to talk about today. Today is unconventional thinking. Uh, first, I'd like to say that it's not always all about money. See, a lot of people think that uh, when you have a business problem, the best way to solve it, well, just take some money and throw at it. You know, just go take that money and throw it at your business. And that's going to solve most of the problems. And the reality to that is that is not the case. It's not always the situation. See, money is definitely something that can definitely help you with your business. It's going to help you with, um, you know, being able to control the way that your business is being regulated in reference to the direction you're taking your business. And of course, it gives you the tool that you need as a vehicle to move your business forward, hopefully progressively and not the other way around, right? But if you think about it that way, when you think about putting something in exchange to get the value, it doesn't necessarily always have to be money. So that's the first myth that I want everybody in this in this podcast, listening to this episode, to accept. Okay, it's not always about money. And sometimes we're so caught up thinking that we need money uh, for the type of situations that we're put in that we ignore alternative options that are available to us. Is because our brain has decided to shut down any other possibilities. So this is probably the most dangerous position you can put yourself in. That means you're denying yourself the ability to creatively... Uh, open up to ideas that will create that transformation for your business. And just because you're so caught up that money is going to be the solution for all this, you're ignoring any other possibilities like I stated. So that's the first thing, okay? You have to stop thinking that money is the solution. That's the first thing. The second thing is you have to look deeper into your business. Sometimes it takes you going down the rabbit hole to really uncover the root of the problem. And a lot of us who are doing business on a regular basis come across these issues all the time. See, a lot of people come to me and say, look, Ali, I have challenges with my sales. I don't know why people are not buying my products. Or perhaps I'm offering a service that nobody's really grasping or are not interested in. What can I do to change it? Or what do you think is the problem? Do you think I'm not marketing better? Or do you think that I should improve the way my Facebook ads are run? Or do you think I should improve the way I distribute my writing should I change anything about it? Is, is there certain hooks that I can put in? And the reality to that is, if you look deeper, it's not necessarily the person's content 
or the way it is presented, but rather what it offers, right? And in these situations, I deep dive and go down a rabbit hole to see what the actual problem is. What is the root? If you go deeper, the reason why people are not buying your product or service perhaps is because, number one, it's not really unique, right? Or there's cheaper alternatives that offer more value. Or it's more convenient for other people to go elsewhere rather than yours. There's way too many blocks and stumbling blocks and obstacles prior to getting the outcome that these clients are looking for. And the goal sometimes of creating a better business is to remove instead of adding. So what I'm saying here is you can actually remove the challenges and problems that are causing your products or service to be delivered to make it more convenient to access, easier to access, more comfortable, right? Rather than making it complicated and sophisticated, which in turn is basically causing a huge rift between where your customers can access it to the point where your competitors are basically taking customers from you because they understand the obstacles it takes and how to remove those obstacles to make it easier to purchase a product or service. Sometimes it's not about your sales copy or your marketing or strategies that you're deploying in terms of advertising. It's rather, what exactly are you offering? Right? So sometimes customers want things that are convenient to access, easier. And sometimes in order to innovate a product, we have to remove some components to make it easier for, a bit, for the customers and the, the end result uh, to be the, the connection between that, making it easier. Right? So look deeper. You know, that's my, my advice to you if you're a business owner who's kind of stuck and are going through financial and economic challenges with sales and marketing, and let alone having sales increase and why you're seeing a huge rift in reference to why people are not buying more often. Look deeper. Don't question your marketing because anybody can do that. Don't question the actual product details or whatever you're describing. Um, and don't question whether or not, you know, if it's you. Rather, question the deepness and, and what it is that you can do to be one, unique, and two, easier to be able to access and buy. So look deeper. Don't think about just money. Just think deeper. And don't think about just advertising. Understand why you want to do this in the first place. You need a real product or service, right? Not something that can be replicated and easily replaced. Um, and this leads us to our third point, which is be open to ideas. See, a lot of business owners that I know on a personal level will come to me and say, Ali, I really need to do something about this product or service. Now, we talked about sales and marketing in our previous point, but for example, this could be where they say, um, I want to improve the cost of this. How do I add more money to this so I can make more, I, I can you know, bring more in my bottom line or improve my, my profit margins? And probably that's not the right way of thinking because sometimes improving your profit margins by offering the same value is not necessarily a right path because that really makes you in a position where you're vulnerable to other people who are willing to offer less costly products or services than you, yet while being able to offer the same, if not better, value. The customer is always in their mind justifying pricing. The only way a pricing is never justified, where it becomes a part of a ritual or a daily expense, for example, we need to pay our rent, uh, we need to pay uh, you know, utilities, so sometimes we kind of forget about it. Yeah, we complain about it at the beginning, but once we get used to it, we're so in, indulged in it because we're regularly using it that it becomes something of a second nature to us, right? But if it's something that's a one-off or, or once in a while, like a restaurant business, for example, if you come in to get some food here, especially the type of cuisine you have, or sometimes a spa, or if you're a chiropractor or a dentist, right, who's offering unique value to their customers, uh, these price strategies are, are necessary. Now, of course, you can always be a premium. Right? You can always have some high-level structure 
where you can justify your pricing, uh, especially with your brand, of course. Hopefully, if there's there's an incredible recognition of your brand, there's so much you can do. But in order to improve your profit margins, it's not a question of how I improve the product by offering less, but rather, how can I flawlessly offer value that doesn't take less away from the customer, right? That doesn't take more away from the customer, sorry. Offers more, essentially, but for less effort. So you have to retweak the math here and you have to be able to create scale, which is the most critical component, by the way, in order to make it more profitable. It's scale, right? Like wholesaling, et cetera, et cetera. We all know this. This is basic economics. But it's how can you scale efficiently with less effort while being able to offer more value. And then because of your scale, you're enabling yourself to structure a pricing where you can keep it the same, but it's costing you cheaper and less time because you're more efficient while being able to deliver much more value. And if that's the case, then you basically build yourself a product that's irresistible and a second nature type, right? Where people will be never forgetting about what they can get from that. And because you have such skill, because you have social proof, because you have so much people looking to that as an opportunity to come in and test it out, um, even at the premium, because there's just so much backing behind it, people are willing to pay for that. So the, the main question here is, what can I do to improve my profit margins? Not the right question. Restructure a question and say, how can I create more scale, deliver more, by working less, deliver more value, that is, and create that scale that I'm looking for so that I can get across much more customers faster and more efficiently while being able to keep this business going. That's the right type of question to ask. So to be open to ideas for that, for those kind of structures. And this is where I would say, which is you know our next point here, which is our fourth point, is when do institutional type of thinking stop? And when I say institutional type of thinking, it's essentially like if you look at the economy right now, you look at the stock markets and you look at the, the stock prices and how you know past several weeks the S&P 500 took a deep dive in certain instances. And mind you, S&P 500 it comprises of you know over several dozen stocks which are very well diversified. So if they're taking a hit, you can bet that the economic infrastructure of the stocks and bonds out there in the markets are essentially taking a hit universally, right? So when you think about that, and the reason I'm sharing this with you and how we can relate to your business is because end result is when you're public, you only have one goal and one goal only, unfortunately, which I don't think it should be the main reason as to why you go public, but it has become a universal norm, unfortunately, for a lot of these companies. And that goal is how to improve shareholder value to take care of your investors so that they can keep investing. And this equation leaves no room for your customers, which is your business customers I'm talking about, not your investors, right? So when you do these type of things and you go public and you only have one goal, which is how to improve shareholder value and keep your investors happy, you don't serve your customers anymore. You serve the people investing in your stocks. And this type of institutional thinking and mindset and blueprint is a rhyme for reason to create economic disaster. This is where a customer service would go from a 24-hour response to a three to five business day response. This is where people have to deal with chatbots and contact forms rather than dealing with people on the phone and handling the customer service as the way they need to. And this is where the human factor is taken out of the equation, which in turn leaves your customer vulnerable from leaving you, creating an economic collapse in your own business infrastructure. So when you have institutional thinking like that, that prioritizes shareholder value and investor value, which in turn you should but here's the thing. What if that becomes secondary and your primary concern is customer service and value delivery? When you have some structure like that, for example, Apple does a pretty well good job at that and, and they have a fine line between investor shareholder 
maintenance to customer service. Uh, when you're customer-centric, shareholder value and investor relations improve automatically. It's a byproduct because your business is flourishing due to the amount of sales and how customers are being taken care of and your brand strength. Whereas if you're not concentrating all of a sudden on paying your CEO extra before filing bankruptcy, a.k.a. Hertz here, uh, because they might file a lawsuit because you promised them something, and if they file a lawsuit, investors' capital are at risk. Where exactly is the customer in this formula? They're nowhere to be found. And that creates us a huge rift between as to why public companies are failing miserably in terms of the infrastructure. The only people it's benefiting is the tax, the infrastructure of tax, which is you know the government, and it's not necessarily benefiting anybody else. And money's just being used and used and used, and then it's just going in all the wrong directions. Investors are just so focused on that that they don't see the root of the problem. Like we say, we always have to go down the rabbit hole. And here's the thing. If we're customer-centric first, the value is automatically created. And this is every justification on the book in reference to going public and saying, look, if we go public, you cannot dictate the way a company is run. A condition of that is that we have anonymity in reference to and, and complete control and discretion in reference to taking care of this business the way we need to in order to handle customers and in order to be able to take care of them and be focused around them first. And unfortunately, because you go public and your shares are there and you have board of advisors and all these type of things, that gets disregarded because that means more power is coming from shareholders and investors who have a huge portion of your company now in reference to dictating the rules of the company and how it should go. And when that happens, unfortunately, you, you lose a lot of value because now you're not, you're not anymore thinking about your customers. You're not really customer-centric and customer-service-centric. Um, so sometimes, and this is our fifth point here, we have to let go of the institutional type of mindset, especially in these times, right, which, you know, the formula is not helping uh, in reference to hel- helping your, you know, investors or shareholder value and all that kind of crap. Instead, in times like these, I would even go as far as delisting a company from public so that I can take control over it again, private equity wise, and then be able to restructure the way the company is going to be going and helping this companies uh, look through deeper by understanding their customers, by looking and asking their customers what they need, listening to them, offering more value to those customers, going back to the drawing board essentially, which is going to be our final point, right? Um, so listen, this is, this is very critical. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm never going to go public, so I don't have to worry about that. But you see, that's the thing. You don't have to go public in order to, for, it, for your customers to feel like you have an image of a corporate entity that doesn't necessarily care about its customers. You don't have to wait until that. It can already be happening, and you might not know it because you're not paying attention to that. Because you're believing in your management. You're probably believing in the people that you have working for you, which is a great thing. You should have trust in your employees, but your employees are only doing what you've been told to do. And sometimes we have to take the helm and in reference to piloting our vehicle the way we need to in order to pay attention in all the right areas of our business to create that transformation and change. So you don't necessarily have to be a public company to have an image of such that you're a corporate greedy company that doesn't necessarily care about its customers and it's evidently proven based on the delivery of our products and services and how unique they are or how indifferent they are to the needs of a customer. And the pricing structure, of course, demonstrates that very well, flawlessly. So when you think about that, you have to listen to your customers, right? And then the final point is, like I said, go back to the drawing board. And you might be thinking, well, Ali, what does that even consist of? What do we, what do we have to do? Um, and, and the reality is that when you're doing things like going back to the drawing board, it means that you're taking the information that you're learning about your customers. You're taking information about the infrastructure of your business, 
how the products and services are delivered. And you're coming back with a solution that is long-term driven. Not something that is, you know, these are fabs and trends, right? If you were to look at the difference between a fab, it's essentially something that's on a temporary basis. It doesn't last very long. And a trend is evergreen. It's, it's something that's going to be there for a long time, at least for the next few years. And then you have the evergreen concept, which is the pure form of continuity. Internet is evergreen. It, it exists and it's going to be around for a while, right? Uh, electricity is evergreen. It needs to be there to, to, you know, light up things and stuff like that. Things like that. Food is evergreen, you know, stuff like that. You need stuff. And it doesn't necessarily be have to any type of product or service or industry, but the type of business you have should have all these type of three trends or, or three structures, I guess, the fab, the trend, and evergreen with high priority and evergreen, right? The 70-20-10, high priority and evergreen, 70%, 20% on trends that can integrate with your evergreen as well, as well as the fab, which is 10% because you still want that kind of structure and you want to be going with the, with the Jonas's and you want to be going with the times in order to be able to tell your customers that you're paying attention. And that message, even though it's 10% of the times, is a good way for your customers to reflect because you don't want to concentrate on it. Your main concentration is your evergreen business structure. So they can see, well, 70% of the time, this business really focuses on taking care of us and listening to us and stuff, right? And, and that's just a structure in terms of the business that you want to you want to take on. But what I'm saying is, all in all, 100% of the times, you should always be listening to your customers because that's what derives the value of your business. Um, so you might be thinking to yourself, well, why am I sharing all these type of things? And and why do I have to listen to you, Ali? Because I know what I'm doing for my business. Now, this is advice that I'm giving you guys because I feel the need that business owners need to have access to the infrastructure that I just shared, right? In times like these, we don't necessarily have a lot that goes for us and works for us. More people are going to be conservative. They're going to keep their money. They're not going to spend. Dry powder is going to be sitting at bank, which is cash. And prior to making choices about purchases, about making decisions on buying something or engaging with someone for products or services, whatever the case, they'll think very carefully. And in the past, businesses were, can be sloppy and duplicate other systems and not offer tremendous value, still be able to make a lot of money. But at present moment and moving forward, customers are more cautious. So sloppiness is going to be killed and utterly destroyed. So you really have to pay attention to your customers. And like I said, forget the institutional mindset right now and focus on the value-driven evergreen mindset. That's the one that's going to change. And if you're not thinking this is serious, look at the stocks and look at the markets. Look at the money. Look at the financial challenges that news and media is hiding. Look at the everyday person that's struggling to keep their job because company no longer offers full-time or because they're going under, because they haven't paid attention to the infrastructure that I just described for you. So what I'm trying to tell you here is, this is not something that you should take as an option, but rather a need. It is not something that you can wait around for, but rather you have to do it now in order to survive, and possibly thrive and grow. So you have to pay attention to everything I'm telling you here, because these things are going to make a difference in your business, whether today or tomorrow. But it all takes time, and it all also takes acceptance. The minute you accept it, the more you can do with it. So when you're thinking about growing, scaling, or even transforming your company to make it better, evergreen, and long-lasting while riping many, many different rewards in the the future so you can live a more prosperous and financially free life, an independent life of things that you don't have to worry about and coming back to the drawing board over and over again because you're never long-term driven, but rather think about how you can be long-term driven so you can have more independence in those areas. 
So I just wanted to put out this quick message for you guys because I wanted you to really pay attention to this infrastructure, right? And understanding that solving business problems unconventionally is probably the first step instead of thinking about money and throwing more money at it or how you should improve your advertising or marketing. Go back to the drawing board. Think about your customers. Let go of any type of institutional thinking. Be open to ideas. Okay, and look deeper. Once you do all these type of elements and think about all these type of elements and exercise them well, you can uncover so much magic and diamonds in your own backyard that you never thought before. And I wanted to leave you guys off with this, is that, look, if you have a business, if, you're, if you have at least, you know, four or 500,000 or even much bigger in terms of sales, but you're not seeing any type of transformation come out of it, uh, you've had a glass ceiling, or perhaps you're going through some economic challenges right now, perhaps you have a lot of debt and you're falling behind, and you don't have to necessarily disclose who you are. You can just reach out to me, and we can have a confidential assessment. I help businesses, and with my partners, we, we help businesses, and it doesn't cost you any money up front. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because a lot of people think, you know, of course it's true that, you know, Accenture, KPMG, Ernst & Young, PricewaterhouseCoopers, all these type of accounting firms who offer institutional service investment banks, they charge six, seven figures to solve business problems. You know, management consulting services, six, seven figure, you know, charges right off the get-go. And unfortunately, these type of big firms only concentrate on medium, middle market companies or big companies. And that's how they survive and sustain. Now, small to medium-sized guys don't necessarily have access to these type of resources, regardless of the volume of sales you're making. Uh, this is why we understand the need for these type of services institutionally. We understand the need for advisors and professionals to come in and, and help give a guiding hand to create the financial transformation most businesses deserve. And we understand that it can be very expensive. So for that reason alone, we are doing something very different. We're offering our services and advisory work as business investors and advisors primarily as investors, of course, to come in and help through those financial transformations to help offer those institutional services absolutely with no money up front. Of course, certain conditions apply. We'll have to work together on certain milestones. And once the deal is done, we get to work together. And once the value and outcomes are realized and the results are created, only then our fee is, or at least our compensation is given. And by the way, that can be financed out at 100% as well. Through a loan company that we work very closely with that has the confidence in what we do, and we are actually looking forward to getting paid by them as well. So you can have a very, very small cost to the better value that is created for your business. So essentially, we're performance-based, right? But if you're ever interested in hiring us, give me a call or at least let me know by writing to ali at alitarafter.com. It's going to be in the show notes, so pay attention to that. And I definitely hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe. Keep the notifications on so every time there's new episodes of these podcasts like this, you'll be first to hear it. If you've been following me for a while, and if you want to have some feedback or comments, don't forget to leave a rating or write to me by letting me know what you'd like to hear more of. And that's Ali at AliTarafter.com. And I hope you guys enjoyed once again. Feel free to share this episode with business owners that you present personally know or professionally know. And if you are one yourself, then just write to me to let me know, hey, I really enjoyed this. I learned quite a bit. And just, just to get in touch, if you, if you need somebody to listen to you or probably offer some sort of guidance, I'm here to listen, okay? With that said, this is Ali Tarafter, your guide and mentor. Hope to see you guys on the next one. Take care now and stay safe. Bye for now.